Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. And boys, I am back in my home studio today. Big R took the red eye uh, out of San Francisco, back from his church plant in the Hyatt Place uh, Hotel, <laughs> uh, back back to what it, what we loosely refer to as home base for Big R. So he's back in studio. And Pipe, you're, uh, you're where you always are in Nashville. Uh, so it's, it's good to be back, boys. And it's good to be back, like, doing this thing for real. Um, you know, in, in the fashion that we've grown accustomed to. Now, Pipe, in that fashion, uh, we have business to take care of because we have two sponsors for today's program. Uh, right. So why don't you lay those on us? And then we're going to talk about Live in Louisville. And then we're going to talk about some controversial stuff. We're going to have some hot takes for people. So uh, the lay the business on us. Let's get that done, and then we'll move on. All right. So we've got uh, we've got two different sponsors for this episode. Um because that's what we do. And since, you know, it's been a little bit chaotic this summer, people traveling around, some odd episodes, but now we are back in the saddle and the money is rolling in. So the first sponsor is Nav Press, and they come with a book called Eats with Sinners by Aaron Chambers. And uh, I did notice on this one, it's A-R-R-O-N. His, that's how he spells his name, which is, I don't know, I always notice weird spellings. Maybe it's because I have a weird name, but Aaron Chambers with two R's and one A. Hmm. Dude, that sounds like a millennial spelling. Is Aaron Chambers a young man? You know, I, I didn't actually look him up. I was trying not to be uh, have any preconceived notions. Oh. He's, a, he's a pastor of Journey Christian Church with a name like Journey. I, I would have yeah. guessed That's like Gen X. Yeah, but but more I, maybe more Gen X than millennial. And it's, uh, it's in Greeley, Colorado. So oh. Colorado's... It's also a young people state, so um, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing he's sub. I'm guessing sub forty five, maybe sub forty. You know, I'm looking him up. That's what I do. All right, you Google him, and so you can give us the impression of who it is we are describing here. The, the subtitle is so it's eats with sinners, and then it's just loving like Jesus. I'll also say this book has a great cover. Uh, since this is an audio medium, I'm not going to bother to describe it. You can go look it up on Amazon or at Nav Press's website. But uh, it's a very nice classic cover it's not it's not sort of a kitschy christian crap covers um but the whole premise of the book is just that every meal jesus ate he ate with sinners so it's not a book about evangelism over meals like inviting people into your home per se as much as it is how sharing meals with people and that sort of common experience opens doors for conversation with fellow believers who are also sinners like us or or in an evangelistic context. So it's it's a, it's a practical walkthrough of those things. But I thought the concept was really interesting because when I first saw the cover, I was certain that this was like a a how to how to do evangelism over a meal, like inviting people into your home, that kind of thing. And it's more than that. It's much more just a a how to use that common experience to connect with people in genuine conversation and in kind of breaking down barriers and uh, opening up doors that might not otherwise be open. Um, so it's, uh, I think it's, I think it looks like a really good practical book. It's not real long. Um, and this was a really popular sermon series they did at their church. Some of the, uh, some of the reviews and the endorsements on Amazon said that this was life-changing and very moving to people. So, um, I'm, I'm always intrigued by a book that takes something that Jesus did 
and figures out how to model after it, considering that seems sort of like the essence of Christ-likeness. So uh, Eats with Sinners, Loving Like Jesus by Aaron Chambers is the name of the book. Uh, it is available now. You can get it at Amazon. You can get it at Barnes & Noble. You can get it probably lifeway.com, any of those particular places where one buys books. Ted, any feedback on this this young pastor, gentleman? Yeah, two two things, man. Number one, the book actually sounds really fresh, man. It, it sounds like a cool a cool concept. I'm uh, I'm excited to check that out, truly. Uh, number two, Chambers. Mr. Chambers is actually an older gentleman. What? Who, who looks kind of spry and young. You know what I mean? So in that Colorado way, in that sort of like plaid shirt way. Yeah. Um, He's a real, real healthy and outdoorsy kind of healthy and outdoors. I was just going to say that he looks like a jogger, but not the kind of jogger that just like jogs on the road. He like jogs on trails. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. He's got like those impressive calf muscles. Yeah. Big calves, big, like ropey calves, (laughs) man. That's, that's what we're looking at vis-a-vis chambers. Skinny everywhere else though. Right. Yeah. Lean. Wiry. Wiry. He's got a wire streak. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad he's not a young guy because, um, me too. I'm sick I, of young guys, man. They're the worst. They are I'm, the worst. <laughs> but but also because uh, it's it's just good to see. It's I prefer to be taught by somebody who's been there before me. I'm not as impressed being taught by people who are like two years ahead of me. So with the you. fact that he is totally with you. a little bit more experienced, I think, lends credence to this book. I agree. So uh, ropey calves, lean Aaron <laughs> Chambers eats with Jesus. Or I'm sorry, eats with sinners. Love like Jesus. <laughs> eats with Jesus. Whatever. Eats, eats with, with Jesus. Jesus. That's our book. That's eats the book we're getting ready to write. Eats with Jesus, Jesus is is uh, is the Lord's Supper every Sunday if you go to certain churches. Once a quarter if you go to other churches. So, um, but we do have another sponsor, and I'm going to take a slight left turn into this one. And this is Waterbrook Multnomah. And the book that they are highlighting is Never Settle for Normal, uh, The Proven Path to Significance and Happiness by Jonathan Parnell. And I actually know Jonathan Parnell. He uh, he worked for Desiring God, actually still does, as one of their editorial guys. He is also the pastor of Cities Church in Minneapolis, which is a church plant of the church I grew up in. Um, he's a really good guy, super smart, super thoughtful, super – like a genuine – loving, genteel guy. So uh, somebody who you could trust. And the premise of the book is it's not an uncommon one, but it's one that I think we need periodic reminders of. Basically looking at what is it what is it that gives people purpose in everyday life? And he talks about how we, we settle for what he calls stupid normal. So just sort of the finding, trying to we try to find over significance in the mundane and the meaningless and the empty in life. Mm. And so he just, he speaks the gospel into those aspects of life. He's a father of, I think five kids, although it might be more. I feel like every time I get on Facebook, he has another child. So the reform gestation period is only six months. So it's, <laughs> everything is accelerated right. in the reform. Chart. And uh, yes. And if you homeschool, I think it bumps it down to five or five and a half. Absolutely. I don't know if they do or not, but it's possible. Um, but that means that his life is full of the mundane and the normal. And so significance in that concept takes on a different face. I think that's the life that a lot of us lead. You know, very few people get to get to do what Ronnie does and jet set all over the United States to plant churches in, 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 in a high place. place. So yeah. um, <laughs> since we can't all be Ronnie, let's all read Never Settle for Normal by Jonathan Parnell. Wow. And uh, – and and I think we'll find more significance. Ronnie, you can skip this one because you have your significance in, in, in many traveling things. I've already achieved uh, – guys, I've already achieved significance. So there's no sense in looking for something that's already – What 
what's it like on that side of the uh, of the Great Divide? The There's having achieved it, <laughs> yeah. Significance on the other side of the Great Divide is that is that too long of a title, or should I shorten that a little bit? Or it, it, it blends like it, it blends a kind of personal meaning with a puritanical title. So I don't know. That sounds a lot like you. Yeah, how, yeah, or just like call a book like Arrived. <laughs> uh, ooh, <laughs> Arrived. The new. Love, oh, love those one word titles. <laughs> arrived. They're so early two thousand. Dude, they're very mysterious, aren't they? Pipe. Yeah, I mean, they, they just they, there's so much intrigue in a one word title. There yeah, is. It, can, it can go anywhere. It can go. You know anywhere. what? I was thinking about Ronnie's persona as it pertains to Live in Louisville, which is another event that we should promote. Wow! Uh, yes. Coming up on October 22nd, uh, we're doing a live event in Louisville, taping some eps, uh, hanging out with some fans, and I wondered, Pipe, uh, if we could get like an official Live in Louisville like conference lanyard in honor of Ron's Ooh. conference attending. Um, I, I would hate for people to go away without a lanyard um, related to our own, our very own event. See, I, you know what I think we should do instead is I think Ronnie should bring all of his lanyards from all of his. So everybody <laughs> there gets a, gets a Ronnie Martin lanyard from one of the 140 different conferences he's been to in the last Dude, I used to buy like game used jerseys on eBay. It would be like uh-huh. a conference used lanyard. Yeah, conference like, used lanyard. And yeah. he could, I mean, people could get it autographed. Absolutely. He'll come, he'll come Sharpie in hand. Oh, dude, sure. they're going to be, it's going to be vintage lanyards. I probably only charge about anywhere from 25 to 40 bucks a pop for him. So, uh, dude, guys, we're just come, come loaded with cash. Come stock. I mean, our boys probably got what four or five hundred lanyards. I mean, you could <laughs> you could sell half of those and still be fine. Have you still have your souvenirs? You know, yeah, it'll, find, it'll thing, find me another church at Hyatt Peem. Still have something to is, show your grandkids. You know, all your lanyards. Yeah, they're all limited edition though because it's it, they're all unique. So it's it's yeah. not just, like this is the one that he wore on April twelfth at the Gospel Coalition. Like this is not you can't find this anywhere. No other Ronnie Martin wore it's this. Big. No other person wore Ronnie it's Martin's big. lanyard. Yeah. It's I mean huge. to be clear, the conferences themselves aren't at all unique, but the lanyards no. are they're all saying. exactly the same, but well, yeah. Ronnie's special touch on those lanyards. Yeah, the lanyards are pretty similar too, but it is the fact that uh <laughs> I did, <laughs> that, I, that I'm giving you the lanyard that was literally just around your neck. my neck for four straight days. Actually, you know what's you know what's interesting about about my lanyard wearing boys is I'm I'm a little uh, I'm a little anti, so I always stick the lanyard in my back pocket and have the the string come out of it and hang. Oh it yeah, you're a back pocket guy. Kind of oh, like I don't do with that uh, without chain wallet. That's kind of. I mean, what you're did you guys for. did you guys think that I actually wore those things around my neck? That is never going to happen. I am never Maybe going to be a neck wearing lanyard. What are you, Where a farmer? Right? Of course not. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, let's let's just set that let's just set that straight right now. And what's going to happen is when we have our lanyards at our event, baby. Mm. Uh, I want everybody to put them in their back pocket. I want to see those strings dangling down to their calf. Mm, yeah, to their ropey they, calf. To it their is calf. super reminiscent of the chain, the the wallet chain, which was like yeah, super chic like about what swingers. 15, 20 which years was ago. Popular back in nineteen ninety nine. Correct. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah. Which was the year that the three of us really like peaked in life let's be honest. <laughs> i mean which is kind of why we're so obsessed with it but hey if it, if it works why change it you know what i mean um and speaking of change boys this this is an interesting segue into our first topic and what i feel will probably be the 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 main topic for the show uh today um eugene peterson this was uh this was a big deal um eugene peterson is a is a is a pastor theologian famous pastor wrote he did the message, right? I, I got the right guy, right? That's um, the one. Did the message. Uh, he was he was interviewed by Jonathan Merritt, who's well known in I guess Christian circles for uh, 
controversial articles, right? It's called stirring the pot. Stirring the pot. The kind of things that, um, that, that people click on because they're intrigued by the title. I think it's safe to say that. Even there's, if the title is not reflective of the content. There's another word for what that is, Pipe, and I'm, I'm very coy about that. I'm being very coy about trying to avoid the other term for what we, what we call that kind of article. But yes. uh, anyway, he's maybe, famous. Maybe reflective of sensationalism a bit. Mm, mm. He's famous for that kind of article. I think it's safe to say that. So uh, he dropped an article recently in which Eugene Peterson said that he would – uh, be good with performing a gay marriage, and then he took it back the next day. So um, that's where we're at. That happened. It like blew up the internet. It blew, and by that I mean the Christian internet. Um, blew up the Christian internet. People went berserk over it. Um, so, pipe. I want to lay this on you first as a kind of marketing guy. You know, you you make your living in the in the Christian you know book marketing business. Um, how does this hit you on that level? Um, okay. So I had to be a little bit careful here because, um, I work for a company that runs multiple Christian bookstores as well as a significant online retailer. And the decision was made when he made that statement to go through the process of, of not selling his books until it was resolved. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe, uh, I don't know all the details. I didn't dig into it too much. And I, I don't know if that has been changed or reversed in any way, but I mean, it's, it creates a significant challenge for a Christian, like a Christian retailer or a publisher who has a standard that's different than that. So if, if, if there's an, if there's a written or outspoken standard that marriage is between one man and one woman and same sex marriage is not, you know, is not biblical. Well, then we've, we've now got a bit of an issue. Um, I think it probably put his publishers in a tough spot because, I'm sure that there's probably mixed feelings within the staff at those publishers. I think, uh, like, I know that he published with Nav Press, which then became part of Tyndale, I think, if if I'm getting my publishers correct. And I know Tyndale is a pretty conservative publisher. Like, they they have worked very hard to maintain biblical orthodoxy and um, and probably put them in a tough spot. But then he comes out and reverses his statement the next day, which means, I guess, technically, you can kind of let it all blow over. But... Uh, yeah, it's from a marketing perspective. Uh, there's also the all publicity is good publicity, which means I bet millions of people heard about some of his books or went and Googled them and who had never heard of them before. So right. uh, that's, I don't know, maybe maybe it gave sales a bump. I'm not sure. Well, I'm pretty sure Jonathan Merritt subscribes to the all publicity is good publicity, you know, credo as well. So, I, you know, this is this is kind of par for the course for him. So I think it was a pretty exciting day in in. In his offices, I'm I'm guessing when all this uh, all this controversy hit, um, so you know I use the word, you know, use the term winner loosely there with, you know, <laughs> if, if if we call this think, winning generating, I think, all yeah, this I think if you if you if you subscribe to the all publicity is good publicity sort of model of marketing, winner is always loose because it's That's true. That's you true. know, it's sort of the coffee is for closers mentality. It's not. It's not. There's not a lot of uh, substance behind that. Lagaris Roasters Coffee is for closers. Let's just say it that way. And listeners, and it's on sale, so go get it. You can <laughs> that's get it right. at happyrantpodcast.com. Nice Gosh, that's good radio. Gosh. So smooth. Big R, you're, you're a man of the cloth, as is Eugene Peterson. Um, what do you make You guys of are so similar, except and, that you love the internet more. Me and Eugene. I'm, I'm making that – I'm doing that symbol with my fingers right now that shows that we are together. You <laughs> that's know? Like, that, that wraparound – Me and EP. Uh, me and EP. Yeah. You know? 
Um, yeah, dude, I don't know, man. Um, I don't, I'm just still really confused, um, Mm -hmm. about a lot of it because he, Mm -hmm. I mean, how, so let's get into this for a sec, right? So he makes some comments, he makes some comments that would take him out of, you know, what we think is, you know, historical, traditional orthodoxy. And then the next day he kind of reverses his, uh, you know, his opinion on those things, his stance on those things. So I guess I, you know, I'm going to answer your question with a question, which is what, what do we, what do we do with that? Because again, this is a guy that just announced that the last book that just came out last month is going to be his final book. He's pulling out of, he's staying out of the public eye now. He's retired in essence. No more speaking engagements. He's just going to, he's just going into total retirement, traditional retirement as we think of it. So what, what was the, uh, what what was the impetus for him to make a statement to merit and then reverse the statement the next day? I feel I feel like there's a gap there that we're maybe that we'll never be able to understand or know about unless he does a, a follow up interview. And uh, if he stays out of the, if he if he really does retire, we're never going to get that follow up interview. But like, what wh- where are you guys at with that? Like, wh- where's what happened? What happened in that 24 hours besides the fact that all of Orthodox traditional, you know, evangelicalism literally just started freaking out and hot taking him to death? Yeah, what just happened? completely wrote him off as if he had come out and said Jesus isn't Lord or something. It right. was. It was. I bet he got was, way more pumped to retire in that 24 hours, and I bet he wished he had retired about two weeks sooner. Uh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. But retired I mean, like 24 hours prior but to is that. that but here, okay, here, let me add to my question with that. Now, is this a guy? I mean, you know, I know it's easy to talk about the old dudes like they're just not social media savvy. But these guys got people working with them and for them that that lead them down those paths the way they need to go. I mean, did he really not think as a leader in the evangelical world that this was not going to uh, ruffle feathers? My impression is, and I. This is probably going to sound like a hot take because everything sounds like a hot take. Well, but this is a I, podcast that we are hot taking. Right? Okay, this is what we do. <laughs> so my my impression is in response to what you just says, I don't think he has I don't think he has like handlers. I don't think he he's not on social media. He doesn't write anywhere on the internet. He has made a career out of staying out of the public eye. Like his publishing success is an anomaly hmm. because he's the anti-platform builder. He just good for him, man, on that. He, when he pastored, he's I mean, he's retired from the pastor. But when he pastored, he didn't pastor a mega church. Yeah, he pastored like a normal sized church. I think it was a few hundred people. You know, somewhere between two and seven hundred people. So like mid sized smaller church. <clears throat> and uh, and so and then he's also been out of he's been out of like ministry controversy for a number of years. He's he's mid eighties. Um, and so and he even said this with he basically was like. I've never been confronted this with this issue in real life. And so his answer was sort of based on a hypothetical. And then when he came back around to rescind it, he was like, I wish it kind of like, I wish I hadn't made that comment. And in thinking about it, I don't know that I would do what I said I would do yesterday. Uh-huh. And so it was almost like, so Ronnie, as a pastor, I suppose you probably think about this with some regularity. If somebody can you know, attended your church or came into the church and said, Hey, would you consider doing this? You kind of have to have your answer ready. Right. Maybe you dread that question. Maybe you're rocking and rolling. You're ready for you know that 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 uh, that question. But he hasn't been confronted with that question. Yeah. Nobody's asked him to do a wedding in like 20 years. Yeah. So so there's just there's an L. And 20 years ago, nobody was asking to do uh, gay weddings. So I think there is an element where he he was probably caught off guard. He may also not be somebody who 
who loves the, the, the tap dance of a controversial interview. Like you have to know when you're going in, into an interview with Jonathan Merritt, he's going he's gonna to ask a question in the hopes of you giving a controversial answer. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I think that, I think I think when you bring it back around to Merritt and, and Merritt doing his meritorious thing, um, oh, I think oh, boom, guys, did I just coin? Boo. Did I just coin something? Good radio. Was yeah, that, that's did I just coin was, something? That's a whole different meaning of meritorious. All right, so so I guess the thing is, is that what we're trying to do right now, which I don't think is a bad thing, is we're trying to give him the benefit of the doubt that legitimately. He, his back was put up against the wall. He wasn't expecting the question. He answered quickly without giving it much thought. Um, but I mean, is that like, I think that's the gracious thing to do. And I think we should do that. But since we're talking about it, um, can, can we back up just like a foot and go, like, is that really something that he's never considered and never thought about? Well, and, and also, even if he hadn't considered it, there's an element of, um, if his knee-jerk reaction is to say yes to that question, does what does that mean? So if this is the first time he's he's sort of had that question posed to him and his gut response is, yes, I would do it. Now, is that a reflection of having been in the PCUSA? Is that a reflection of mm-hmm. his beliefs about marriage? Not if you take his day two answer where he says that's not what I believe about marriage. So there's – at some point, the, the at some point, I just have to look at it and go – I don't know what those those questions and answers were about. Like I don't know what he was trying to say on day one when he said he would do it or day two when he said he wouldn't. But I have a really hard time writing off everything else he's ever written, which seems to be what a lot of people wanted to do. Like I think people were ready to burn along obedience in the same direction because – of this one interview. Yeah. And I agree. And I think that's problematic because if we're going to start doing that, then we're going to, we have to burn everything. John MacArthur's done. We got to burn everything that Luther wrote because he freaked out at the end of his life. We got to burn everything that Calvin wrote because he had issues with certain things that we would have, you know, massive disagreements with. So it's like, yeah, I don't think we take one thing and just completely write off just a, you know, a lifetime's worth of faithful work. You know what I mean? I mean, and, and again, it doesn't mean that, he, it doesn't mean that even if he would have made the comment and not stepped from it the next day that he wouldn't have next year or five years from now or on his, you know, on his deathbed. I mean, you know, however we want to, however we want to go through that, I think what was lacking with the hot takes was any measure of grace from people that are all about the doctrines of grace. Boom. Oh, the doctrine of grace and giving grace have nothing to do with each other, Ronnie. If you've learned anything <laughs> in the Reformed Church, you should know that. Well, th- thanks, Pipe. I pr- thanks, thanks for that hot take on on the doctrines of grace. Dude, a hot take on Ronnie's hot take, man. We're hot taking each other. We're stacking hot takes. Hey, can you add to that hot take, Big T? I want your hot take now. I got a hot take. I'm going to take it in a little. I'm going to hot take it in a little bit different direction. I'd like some hot cakes right now. Like if we were all sitting together, that I would like to stop hot taking and start hot caking. Well, I'm going to I'm going to beg a question to to both of you gentlemen, and maybe I'll throw this to Pipe first because he's more of a sports guy, but. Um, this Eugene Peterson marriage controversy got me thinking about um, what other Peterson would you rather have perform your wedding ceremony? <laughs> and I'm gonna, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw you two Petersons. Now the to- question, the question is, uh, is this ceremony to somebody of the same gender as me, or somebody of a different gender than me, or does that not have anything? Does that not matter? It, it doesn't matter. But let's okay. just say someone of a different gender, okay. to, so for as the, not to. So as not to arouse controversy on this program and bring and bring yes. 
the internet to a halt with all the all the all the dialogue that would come in the wake of it. Yeah, we can only stack so many hot takes. So anyway, back to your question. Exactly. People's heads are going to explode. It's going to be out of control. So my my two Petersons are as follows. Um, Adrian Peterson, longtime running back for your favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings. He's now a New Orleans Saint, but you you will remember him as a Viking. Always. Or Norm Peterson from the from my favorite TV show, Cheers. Norm was the guy, the portly gentleman who sat at the end of the bar. So Norm. thinking through... Your wedding ceremony, who would you rather have perform it, Adrian Peterson or Norm Peterson? Mm, man. I feel like I feel like Norm would do a better job than Adrian. I think uh yeah, I don't, Well, um Adrian Peterson more known for um I would say fumbling the football, running people over, uh not so much his eloquence. Yeah. Um, and also he managed to stir up some controversies with his own missteps behavior wise um, uh. in terms of his, his treatment of his own children. And I, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that that's the vibe I would want to bring into a wedding. No so matter you don't do what the premarital counseling with Adrian Peterson. Is what yeah. Saying. Or parental yeah. counseling. Um, counseling. And uh, and Norm Norm, while he may lack a certain sort of um, aura that one would expect from from an, a wedding efficient. Right. I think he's got a personality that's at least likable. He would put a smile on people's face, and I suspect he would keep it brief, he which everybody likes in a wedding. Absolutely. Norm would be Normie would be excited to, to get through the wedding and just get to the beer at the reception. I was going to say, and he would make that reception a good old time. Absolutely. All right, Big R, I'm going to throw you two, two other Petersons. Um, I'm going to have one Peterson carryover from pop culture. So Norm Peterson from Cheers is on your list as well. Um, the other Peterson for you um, is Sloane Peterson, who is Ferris Bueller's uh, girlfriend <laughs> on Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> Quintessential kind of 80s movie. So if you remember Sloane Peterson, the actress was Mia Sarah. Um, so the character Sloane Peterson or Norm Peterson, who's officiating Big R's wedding? And given keeping in mind, like Big R's wedding would have a certain aesthetic. It would be in a barn. This is a hipster wedding, a full-on hipster wedding. Yeah, so hold no, on. No, so what are you asking about Sloan Peterson? I'm lost. I'm asking you, which Peterson would you rather have officiate your wedding, Sloan Peterson or Norm Peterson? Oh, dude. I mean, I've never seen Cheers, so I have to go with Sloan. Oh, baby. I have a question. Would <laughs> yeah. that cause issues with this hypothetical person you are marrying? Because I have to. I have to assume that at one point you had a mad crush on Sloane Peterson. Me? Well, both of you, but yes. I mean, I wasn't. I mean, I mean, I, I hate to ruin everybody's like dream of be being like the the quintessential '80s guy, but like, I wasn't like a big Ferris Bueller guy. Like, I saw that movie in the '90s. Well, right. Was, We're talking about you being a Sloane Peterson guy, not a uh, not a Ferris Bueller guy. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> that's a separate issue that we were trying not to get into. But I'm you saying, what like, you're doing right now, you're becoming the Jonathan Merritt. You, you, you're trying to be meritorious with me right now, and I don't, I don't appreciate that, like, literally on any level. Dude, the uh, headline for this would be, you know, Ronnie Martin crush on, you know, Sloan Peterson. Big T, what's like, up, man? First pipe hot takes my hot take, and now he's meritoriousing me to death. Is there is there something? Is there is there some level of like animosity going on here? Because I've been in California all week. I'm trying to back you into a corner, and it's working. I know. You're getting I know. Wait, and you you just flew in from where? San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. And you're planting you're planting a church in the Hyatt place out there, are you? Guys, let me I'm typing in my resignation right now for the rant. I just this is too much pressure <laughs> for me. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Sloan over Norm. I don't even know who Norm is. Wow, I, I he's really efficient. There you go. That's you would, you would recognize Norm if uh, if you saw Norm. I'm sure I would, but it doesn't ring a it doesn't ring a B. So wow. baby, you would like cheers. You should watch it. Dude, I uh that was that you know, that was a uh, that was one of those uh, situation comedies that was off limits in the Martini household growing up. You know? Interesting. Interesting. Because you know, I, I grew up in a uh you know, I, I grew up in a uh Dude, I forget that you grew up in kind of a fundy household, man. That always kinda of takes me aback, as it were. Was it was it Calvary Chapel? Was that sort of the, the banner of influence? The banner over you was Calvary? Yeah, the banner over me was Chuck Smith, Greg Laurie, yes. and Calvary Chapel. Indeed it was. Yeah. Interesting. So. Again, it wasn't their fault that we weren't allowed to watch either, and I quote the Smurfs or Cheers, but wow. that was down that was down to uh, Mom and Pop Martin. No Smurfs. My, my mother had an issue with the Smurfs as well, and I don't think it was because there was like seventy two dudes in one woman. I think I think it had more to do with witchcraft. Yeah, that's kind of what it was. And when you go dudes back, in one woman. It sounds like the first Gospel Coalition conference. <laughs> It sounds like the Gospel Coalition comp four months ago, but four I mean, months it's, ago. yeah, I was gonna say that, that that is the same ratio. It's just gotten bigger. Seventy-two thousand right? dudes in one woman. Yeah, pipe. I never figured out the Smurfs thing because if you if you look back on it now, and I'm not saying like any time recently you've like gone back and watched a Smurfs app because I haven't either. But like, I have I have two children who are of uh, Smurf watching age, so I have <laughs> they they haven't aged well. They're well, hold on, man. Part. You're watching. They're watching vintage Smurfs. For real, not yeah, like the I mean, new school, whatever the CGI. The new, new school ones are. I mean, they've seen the new school movies. They're they're like next level stupid. But uh, yeah, but the original ones, which are sort of the classics, are also pretty terrible. Well, yeah, I was gonna say like the originals were not exactly non first level stupid, you know. So, <laughs> but um, but yes, but I but I mean like what was the fuss, right? I mean like you watch it now and you go, oh my gosh, like I don't even like I don't even know what they're talking. I can't even understand what they're saying, much less like what the what the message is behind all of it, right? I was going to say the fact that I was allowed to watch like Tom and Jerry where where there's just egregious violence against animals was fine. Dude, but, not, but not a cartoon wizard named Gargamel who wants to destroy little blue creatures who I knew without a question of a doubt didn't exist. I don't know why. We got to talk about this on a future app, boys. But somehow growing up in very conservative Christian households, I for the life of me, I don't know why violence – always was G-rated for us. It's like, like literally R-rated violence, they moved down into the G category for us. Like, and I have no idea why that was. I mean, it was any kind of violence was okay. Oh yeah, it's like the first the first Terminator movie was like, oh, you just gotta fast forward that one little scene, but then by all means, watch people just get decapitated. Yeah, like the that rest was of the okay. movie's gold. Yeah, I mean, again, conservative Christianity is pro-violence. It's weird. Dude, you know what? Yeah. I do the same things with my kids though. To be honest, <laughs> just to be completely honest. Well, because that was your, because that that's how you learned. Big that team. was my experience. Yeah, that's how I learned. Absolutely, <laughs> boys. Let's uh, let's use that as a bridge, a little segue, because I think it's appropriate. I think it's apropos to go into uh, a bit that we've done on this program before. This is a Barnabas Piper invention. Uh, it's called "What Are People Even Doing?" And I feel like my performance in this bit has been a little bit of a disappointment in the past, but. Uh, I actually have one for for this segment. So, uh, Pipe, since this is your bit, this is your recurring thing, uh, I'm going to throw it to you first. What are people even doing? All right. I keep a list of these uh, just to give you a little a little sneak behind the curtain of my personality. Uh-huh. Um, I, I jot down notes as I watch people do things that 
make me go, what are people even doing? So the first one, and I just saw this last week, uh, what's with grown human beings wearing pajamas on airplanes? <laughs> Dude, that's what, so what are people even doing? Like flannel pajama pants, Mickey Mouse sweatshirts. Like I saw, I mean, I've seen people carry like teddy bears. Like this is, this is a mode of transportation. This is, this is not like your, your playpen where you go curl up with your blankie <laughs> and take a nap. <laughs> Oh, dude, so true. And you know what's funny about that? You look at, like, you know, old movies. You watch, like, an old Cary Grant, Audrey Hepburn movie from the 50s or 60s. People dressed up, man. People, like, put on suits to get on the plane. It was an event. And now it's like, you're right. It's a glorified bus station playpen. It's a mess what what people are wearing onto the plane. I mean, I miss. it's making me miss the days of velour sweatsuits where, like, retiree ladies would show up and, like, teal matching velour like running suits which were hilariously but but like at least they were clothing right not even that seems like hella classy compared to what's going on now (laughs) right yeah you just want to give them a high five like way to go you put on clothes way to get dressed like a grown-up good job you know ronnie did you see pajamas on your red eye flight um yeah it seemed like it, it seems like women are the ones that that typically do it more than dudes though so i i noticed that they were kind of those Kind of those faux pajamas, you know, those Faux pajamas where they can be sort of like you're kind of think like you're not like you're not really sure. You kind of think they're pajamas and you're like, wait, but, but wait, are those just workout pants? But then as in close, you know, in closer inspection, you're like, no, I'm pretty sure those are PJs. You know what I yeah. mean? Just, so, yeah, there was there was some of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was some of that going on last night. I'm not going to lie to you. Baby, did yeah, you it, ever wear pajamas on the plane yourself? I've never I, I would never wear pajamas on a plane. You wouldn't I mean wear, I wear they have like little like faux military jacket pajamas with like kind of structured like that. <laughs> would you ever wear those? I mean, believe it or not, man, when I'm around people that I don't know and I don't care about, you know, who, who don't who I don't care about, you know, seeing me how I really look. Yeah. I mean, I wear the most comfortable clothes known to man. Like last night I was wearing a pair of like sweat shorts. You know, right. like I just didn't care. Because yeah. it was gonna be a long night. You know what I mean? So. And therein lies the difference between men and women. Because what are sweatshorts but basically pajamas? It's just that the difference for men between like workout gear and pajamas is it's a fine line. Nothing. Yeah, it's really nothing unless like one of them is is dry fit. That's Whereas true. for women, it's like no, those are flannel pajama pants. They're plaid, and you have slippers on. Dude, they're plaid. That's- they say Victoria's Secret. They're flannel pajama pants. Is what they are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Big R. What about you? What are people even doing, man? In 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 your life, what have you noticed lately? Gosh, dude, I just, man, I just freeze up whenever you guys talk about this. This is not. I texted it to you 15 minutes before the show so you could get good and worked up about something. It's like when somebody asks me, what are you listening to right now? Like literally like every record I've bought in the last like two months, like just evaporates from my memory. Well, maybe that's the what are people doing? Maybe maybe you're tired of people asking what you're listening to. You know what? Why don't you roll roll with that one for me, Big T? I like that. Right. So you're the music guy. You you know, you've you've got this past where you did music and, and. you know, you feel like now all anybody ever does is ask you what you're listening to. And, and you know, they don't care, really. And, and you don't want to talk about it. And, and let's just be done. Let's be done that, with that. That's, that's it, Big T. I love thing. that. Stop you know? asking me what I'm listening to because, you know, I don't even care what I'm listening to. Exactly. Like, like, don't I don't care. care. Right. right. They don't care. I don't care. You don't care. Pipe doesn't care. I really don't care. I mean, yeah, it just doesn't like literally what does it matter what I'm listening to? Right. And and it's like if they want you to recommend a record, like never before has it been easier to to access all kinds of music. Just go 
know what you like to listen to and just go listen to stuff that sounds like that. You know, you know what, though, you know, but baby, that's such a great point, because I feel yeah. like if somebody would ever phrase it to me that way and just say, hey, Big R, recommend me something that you think I should listen to. I feel like something in my brain might click with that. And then I would have some memory about a record I just listened to. I'd say, oh, yeah, I was just listening to that record by that record. But when right. they say like it's almost like when somebody walks up and they say, so, dude, how have things been going? And it's like I just right. like I have no capacity to know how to answer that question. How have things been I, going? I, That's terrific. That's a great one. So Dude. stop asking me that. Like, be specific. I just need specifics in my life. That's what yeah. I need right now. Okay, yeah. so everybody, be listeners, be specific with Ronnie. If you encounter him at Live in Louisville, uh, which you should encounter him at because it's only ten dollars. Uh, go to happyrampodcast.com, grab your And you got plenty, plenty of time to get babysitters and whatever else. I mean, it's three months away, so book, right. book your ticket now and get there. Yeah, Plan. and start write, and start writing down, as we just pointed out, kids, very specific questions. Because we have the right to refuse any question we don't want to answer on the basis that it's too broad and too, so how you doing? Dude, you know what's going to happen? We're going to open it up for Q&A and somebody's going to raise their hand and go, like, how's it been going for you guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we have smart aleck listeners, which we really appreciate. Which we actually appreciate. Yeah, which, not the question. And to which we will say next question, please. No That's comment. Right. Yeah, we will right. laugh no and move on. No yeah, comment. it's going to be insane. It's gonna Boys, be insane. my what are people even doing? It, it's similar to yours, Pipe, in that it concerns like adult behavior. So let, let me paint a picture for you. Dinner, dinner context, right? You're spending time with adults. Maybe you're spending time like with adults that you've been spending time with for a few days. And there's always that one dude who has the palate, culinary palate of like a toddler. And he always requests like his own special meal. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if you're having. Are you like out to dinner or like somebody is hosting? A somebody's dinner? hosting, right? So oh. Somebody's cooking for oh. the group. And, you know, the food's not exotic by any stretch of the imagination. But there's always a dude that wants to eat like a four-year-old. He wants like a French bread pizza. You know what I mean? Or he wants like a – Can I do mac and cheese with hot dogs cut up in it? Dude, he wants mac and cheese with hot dogs cut up in it. You know? And it, it's Isn't like just bad manners though? Like not eating what – That's what I'm saying. It's I don't have any problem with that food. If you want to eat mac and cheese and hot dogs, that's fine. It's actually kind of good. But like if you're in an adult like dinner context with some other people, like just eat what they put in front of you. You know what I mean? And I'm not talking about gluten-free, intolerant, any of that stuff. I'm talking about just like – yeah. culinary toddlerhood. You know that's, what I mean? That's a product of parents who didn't tell their kids to eat what was put in front of them. Dude, I, for I think so. I think like they, they, this is where like the parents would make dinner and then they would make like mac and cheese for the kid instead of being like, no, you are also going to eat the, uh, right. the chicken marsala or they'd whatever it is. They'd always give the kid his own option, you know, or you can yeah. have this little guy. You're going to have a PB&J with the crust like, cut dude, off. Dude, you realize well, like that is the most con- – like that is – I'm going to get in trouble right now. But like that is literally the most like common thing right now with how parents are raising their kids. Like dude, it's the a kid always has – Seriously. It always has separate meals. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's like homes come with kid menus now. Totally, man. So totally. it's like, I, yeah, I'll have the I'll have the veal parmesan. Uh, they'll have the chicken tenders. Yeah. So so yeah. pipe. So so talk to us a little bit. So obviously you're not uh, you're not you're not menuizing your kids. No, I, I mean if I'm going to make them chicken tenders or mac and cheese, it's because I'm going to eat it for dinner too. But dog on it, if we're going to someone's house, they're going to eat what's put in front of them. And I have this conversation before we go inside. Yeah. You know, I'll be like. I don't really know what they're going to make for dinner, 
but you're going to say thank you you're and you're going to eat the serving of it. You. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, and then you can like, and I, and I've told them before, because we've been to some, some people's houses who either aren't great cooks or they love like real gourmet stuff, which kids don't tend to love. Yeah. Right? And I've told them, I'm like, if you're still hungry, we'll get a snack when we get home. You know, like, right. I promise you're not going to go to bed hungry, but you're going to be polite and you're going to eat it at the house. And, and I, thankfully my kids don't make a stink out of it. They don't like make, you know, they don't make faces or whatever. They'll just sort of nibble at it and then politely ask to be excused and <laughs> go entertain themselves. So yeah, so no menu. Kids are be decent adults though. They're not going to be obnoxious in this way. And I think you're, it's a service to, you know, future dinner party attendees with your kids because this it is, just, it is a service. That's a great a way to put it though too, man. Yeah. It, it, it just, it but the thing nuts. is like, this doesn't, this doesn't feel like exceptional parenting to me. This feels like baseline. What ought to be baseline parenting? Yeah. Yep. Because you're teaching your kids to be respectful to somebody else. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. So, baby, do you, do you apply this to uh, to the boys? Yeah, we absolutely apply it to the boys. And you know, my my lady likes to cook. Um, yeah, she's a good cook too. She's so. a good, she's a terrific cook. So she's trained them well in the. You know, I think for for little guys, their palates are pretty refined and. You know, so they're able to go in and out of situations and, and yeah, like Pipes kids, I mean, they may not love every single thing that people put in front of them, but they're going to, you know, they're going to eat it. They're going to eat a portion. They're going to say thank you. Um, you know, and they're not going to demand like a, like a toddler meal on the side. You know? Yeah. It's a great way to teach your kids how to suffer, that it's not all about what they love. It's not <laughs> all about their taste. Dude, it's literally like you're preaching to them. You literally are preaching the gospel to them when you make them eat what, what comes on their plate. I mean, it's... <laughs> It really is, you know, and that's the book that I'm working on. Hey, Pipe, did I just take it that far? I did. You did. I did. I love what you, you did there. You, know? you just you can you can wedge the gospel he really into can. all sorts of places. It it wouldn't have. Uh, no, I, I didn't wedge the gospel. Look at you, pipes coming at me again. I did not wedge the gospel. He's trying to be all anything. Jonathan Merritt with you. Cigar is trying to talk you into corners. He's, he's trying it's to meritorious do. again, man. I did not wedge right. the gospel. That it's everything's a gospel issue. Uh-oh. See, I would, I would have gone, I would have gone an entirely different direction if I was going for a point of application with that, and would have said it's opening your kids' eyes to other cultures and other experiences because you're teaching them to. So you go to somebody's house and they cook, they cook curry or they cook, right. uh, they cook something that's you know more spicy Italian or like, which is uh, what Jesus did when he went and ate with sinners with green chili sauce or whatever. And you tell your kids you have to try this. You're not opening their minds and their palates to another experience. Yes, there's a gospel implication of that. There's also just a love your neighbor implication of that. So I, I, so you're I, just I, I my point. I mean, pipe. Did you do you really think that Jesus loved what Nicodemus served that night? Yes, I don't, because, because I don't he was think he did. Like fish out of the Sea of Galilee, and I've seen the Sea of Galilee. It's gross. I, I think I bet Nicodemus cooked some cooked something just fantastic. Pipe, I think maybe he didn't. I think there's a great chance that maybe Jesus did not like what Nicodemus served that night, but because he loved Nicodemus and because he wanted to show him the hospitality of himself, of which we normally would say of Christ, he ate the food. And guess what? Nicodemus and all his household was saved. Mm. And now we're back to our sponsor and the book is Eating with Sinners (laughs) or Eats with Sinners. I should get the title. That's good good radio right there, baby. What do you think about that? That's good radio. Incredible radio. You set that one right on a T, Ron. That was really well done. It actually reminds me of a piece that I'm working on for the Gospel Coalition blog called How Are We to Think About Dinner? (laughs) How how Christians Think About Kids. How many points do you have on that one, Big T? I've got 11 points. It's very clear. (laughs) 
It's weighing in at about 9,000 words right now, which is kind of medium. A little on the short side. A little a, on the short a thousand, side. A thousand more and you've reached your minimum. A thousand more. I've reached the minimum and, and I'm hoping for thousands more in the comments section, really, where because that's where the action happens, you know, for me. That's where I, that's where I get excited <laughs> with those articles. So, boys, this has been uh, – wow. This has been incredible. It's been insightful. You know, Ron has really lived up to his billing as the man of the cloth on this program. Don't you think, Pipe? Oh, he's he has been he came in uniform today, collar on and everything. He's been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine him sitting in his little minimalist studio there in, in A Town in a clerical collar. That's what I'm looking at in my mind's eye. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's it's a clerical collar that has like a has a has a couple of like buttons up the top. It's like new school. <laughs> this this studio is so minimalist. It's just like a white box. You know, there's nothing in it except Ron and a clerical collar. You can't yeah, even see the computer. I've edited the clerical collars. You know, they got to be they're, They've been a little too stodgy for too long. You put your own spin. On the- I put my own spin on the clerical call. It's a it's a it's a chambray. It's a chambray. Oh, kind of a chambray collar. I like it, pipe. Right. Oh. Kind of looks like a kind of looks like a bandana now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, going going a little gang, gang style with it. You know, so I have my so I have my like TGC pass hanging out of my pocket. And I got like my bandana clerical collar. You know, just keeping it real. Going a little West Coast California grunge tip on the whole thing. That's what happens. That's what happens when you spend a week in in beautiful beautiful Cali. You know, that's so. right. Boys, we have uh, we have done what we always do on this program, which is to wander. To and far, as uh, as Trogs used to say. We've also wandered to and fro. Uh, this has been fun. And until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Our world can feel chaotic, and uncertain. But we don't have to live enslaved to fear. Christ has promised me and you his peace, and throughout scripture has provided powerful tools and practical steps to help us experience greater freedom. I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, inviting you to join me and my team as together we learn how to starve our fears and feed our faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com or wherever you access podcast content.